Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Rodney Reisdorf, CEO and co-founder of Veravend, a payments platform that's raised over $3 million in funding. Rodney, thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks, Brett. Glad to be here. Yeah, so before we begin talking about what you're building, let's start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background. Sure. Rodney Reisdorf, CEO and co-founder of Veravend, based in Buffalo, New York. I was born and raised here, and my entire career has really been around joining early stage companies and growing them, scaling them, and finding the next thing once they get big and and boring. So I really got the startup bug early in my career and have just repeated that over and over again. And I'm really fortunate to be doing this for the, uh, you know, for Veravend and being one of the founding members of the team. Very cool. So we have a couple of questions that we like to ask just to better understand our guests. And the first one for you is what founder do you look up to the most and why? And we always have to tell people it can't be Elon Musk, since that's what everyone was saying for the uh, you know, first 10 times I asked this question. I bet. So I'm going to throw out two names and uh, they're local. Uh, so Dan Bengashevsky at ACB Auctions and John Yankee at Tackle. So these are ones that I really look up to because they're in our own network. They sit on our board, they're advisors to us, and they're just like the big names that everybody knows and who writes the books, but they're no more than a, a text message or a phone call away. So, you know, Dan Magnashevsky was the founder of ACB Auctions. They they were the first dealer-to-dealer automotive auction marketplace. And John Yankee is the CEO of Tackle that's transforming SaaS companies selling into the cloud marketplaces. And both of them have just been just a huge wealth of information, knowledge, guidance, and really helped me and my team through the good times and the the bad times and the ups and downs of our journey at Veravend. So they've just been both an invaluable asset to me and, and our company. Nice. Amazing. And what about books? What book would you say has had the greatest impact on you as a founder? And what I like to always say here is it doesn't have to be a business book. It can also be a personal book. You know, just anything that's really influenced you know, how you think and really who you've become. Yeah, for sure. That's an easy one. Ben Horowitz, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. That was one that really spoke to me early on in my career and has helped me in a number of, of different ways. Everything from just the tactical on, on how to run effective one-on-ones with team members to, you know, one of the great things is the, you know, his thesis on peacetime CEO and wartime CEO. And he basically says, forget 99% of all of the management books out there because they're just written by some consultant who studied companies in peacetime, in the good times. And nobody writes books about wartime companies and how to be a wartime CEO and really get through those tough times. And, and that's frankly, you know, what, what's going to make or break a CEO and make or break a company. That's one of my favorite books as well. I remember when I first read that in 2015, that was the first time I feel like a book actually spoke to the problems that I was dealing with as a founder. Like you said, most of the other ones are just, you know, kind of written by McKinsey consultants that are, you know, this perfect environment where, oh, if you want to hire the best team, you just have to go out and recruit people. It's easy. I feel like Ben Horowitz made it, you know, very real and tactical about what it's really like when you're on the front lines. For sure. Yeah, definitely spoke to me as well. Nice. Love that. Cool. Let's talk about the origin story behind the company and the high-level pitch on what you guys do. Yeah. So the origin story was 
payments, payments, payments. How do we move money faster, more securely, more transparently between two entities? And when we first started out, we founded in March of 19, and we were focused on payments for the dusty old verticals of manufacturing and trucking and waste companies and those industries that were still sending out paper invoices and waiting for the mail to arrive every day with checks in it. So we started to attack those industries. We had some really great experience some really great initial traction with them. But then something changed 12 months ago that really had a significant impact on the trajectory of the company. And that was we raised our seed round. So after we had all of our investors confirmed from all across the country, just like any law firm, they said, okay, how do you want to actually take in the funds? Do you want us to send out our escrow wiring instructions? Do you want us to accept checks from your investors? And I said, hold on a second. I said, we're talking about moving money. And that's what Veravend has always been about and making it more seamless, secure, and transparent. I said, I would be a fool and I'd never be able to forgive myself. And if I didn't ask my investors, hey, would you be willing to fund your investment through our platform? Because that's what we're essentially built for. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to all of our investors. And of course, they said, yeah, sure. We'd you know, love to fund you on the platform that we're investing in. And it was a great experience for me as a founder with you know, very limited time. I didn't have to chase down my investors. I knew exactly where their funds were at any given time. I didn't have to really do any work. So it was great, you know, a great initial experience for me. And then right after we closed our seed round, a lot of our investors and our syndicates came back to me and said, you know, Rodney, that was an amazing experience of using your platform to fund you guys. Can we use it? Because we're sick and tired of paper and checks and manual reconciliation and following up with our LPs and our investors to see you know where their capital is for capital calls or you know have them ask us a bunch of questions on where's my distribution check. So we had this epiphany at the end of last year and into early this year. And we said, my God, we're solving all of the right problems, but just not for the most optimal industry. So at the end of Q1 this year, we made the decision and it wasn't an easy one because as a founder and an entrepreneur, I know everybody you know who can relate to that it's the hardest thing to say no, right? Because you want to chase down every single opportunity because you don't know which one is going to lead you to the promised land. But for an early stage company, you just you can't because you only have so much time and so many resources. So we made the you know the very thoughtful decision to start to push the legacy business to business invoicing payables to the side and really laser focus on the private capital industry and essentially double down and say Veravend is what Venmo has done for individuals, but for private capital. And it was just a complete transformation of the company and really found a niche and hit a stride. And, you know, we continually ask ourselves every day, why is it so easy for friends and family to transact on on Venmo and PayPal and Cash App or whatever you use for those smaller sums of money? But why is it such an archaic and laborsome and unsecure process for venture capital and private equity to transact with their investors for large sums of money. And that's what Veravind is all about, just making the private capital transaction space move much more effortlessly, painlessly, paperlessly, and securely. Nice. I love that origin story as well. So you found your initial product market fit as you were trying to get the money to go fund your company. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think that's an important thing for every founder to keep in mind where, you know, your original idea might not be the one that carries you forward, but I'm a firm believer in you have to listen to the market. You always have to listen to what your customers want. You have to be self-aware enough and humble enough to realize that, hey, maybe the original idea wasn't exactly how it's going to transform and carry you through to great things in the future. But I think that you know, when companies don't succeed, some of it has to do with 
just, you know, digging in heels and saying, well, you know, damn it, we founded this company to do this specific thing and we're just going to die by it. And unfortunately, that's what happens more often than not. And that's what's always hard about that, right, is you have this, you know, kind of conflicting advice that comes into a founder's brain. On one side, it's, you know, never give up, you're three feet from gold, you know, all that stuff. And then the other side is you have to know when to pivot, you have to know when to throw in the towel and change. So I feel like that's always something that founders just have to try to balance between. Yeah. And don't give up. Don't quit, as also Ben Horowitz says, you know, just keep going and, and try to find that path. Nice. I love that. And is there a certain dollar amount where you know a platform like yours becomes really needed? Is it like, you know, anything over 50K or 100K or is it over a million? How do you think about that? Yeah, that's a great question. The short answer is no. We handle private capital transactions of all, all sizes, all shapes. We've got customers in the private equity space, both independent sponsors and, and funds in the venture space, SPVs, real estate investment syndicates. So regardless of you know what they're investing for or what that asset class is, Veravin works really well when there's an incorporated entity that's raising capital or deploying that back into an investment target or its distribution payments. And, you know, it's not only a great experience for our direct customer, but we've had LPs and investors from our customers either go back to them or come to us and say, you know, that was the easiest capital call I've ever funded. We actually had one guy say, I was laying in my bed on my phone and within seconds I funded my capital call when normally I'd have to go to the bank, I'd have to send the wire. I'd have to make sure that the wire arrived. I mean, there's a, I'll get on my soapbox for, you know, payments for just a second, but there's a reason wires are called wires. The first wire was sent in 1872, 150 years ago over telegraph wires. And that's the reason why wires are called wires. And nobody's really just, you know, question why private capital transactions have to go the way they go. And that's what we're continuing to disrupt here at Veravent. Whenever I have to send a wire, it just feels so barbaric and outdated and you know, the phone verifications I have to go through and getting the routing number right and all the information right. It's just really insane that that's the status quo in you know, 2022. It's crazy. And also, it's pretty terrifying, too, right? You send that wire and it's gone, whether it's going to the right place or the wrong place. And I've heard time and time again, investors come to us and say, you know, the last time I sent a wire, I asked my my syndicate or my fund to confirm that they received it. And the response was, no, we'll, we'll tell you if we didn't receive it. So it's like no news is good news. But still, when you're sending a substantial amount in a wire, you want a positive confirmation. So, you know, that's where Veravin really plays so well, where, you know, we're giving a, a fully transparent end to end, you know, ledgered and, and immutable transaction history for every single private capital funding and distribution payment. Nice. I love that. And then what's your pricing model look like? Because I guess for the status quo, there is, you know, a pretty low cost, right? Like if there's a wire fee, it's, you know, like a $30 fee. So are you charging just a fee per transaction? Are you charging a small percentage of each transaction? What does that look like? It's actually neither. So we're a SaaS fee. So we have recurring revenue based on the transaction volumes for our customers. And yeah, I mean, great point on the, the status quo. The actual fee is pretty low. But the effort is just enormous where you've got to have a back office or you have to have a, you know, do a whole bunch of manual reconciliation to figure out, you know, whose wire is whose. And, you know, as you probably know, too, during any given fundraise, there's usually a lot of investors that are investing the same amount. So you might get a dozen 
wires in, into a bank account of, you know, 100K. And it's trying to like just sift and wade through who's is who's. And you obviously, you know, never want to ask an investor, hey, did you send that that wire in? And they're like, yeah, what do you mean? You didn't get my $100,000. And then that just starts to erode that trust between the, you know, the fund and the investor. And, and we're really able to just help not only preserve that trust, but just grow it and strengthen it because our, you know, not only do our clients, but our investors that they're investing into um, have a great experience on the platform. That makes a lot of sense. And does it help to you know, sort through like the random names? That's one thing that we see, you know, our, the clients who pay us, they have a very different name from the corporation that pays us, which uh, creates a lot of confusion sometimes. Does your platform help with that as well? Because I'm guessing that's the case when it comes to fundraising too, right? It's probably coming from some random LLC. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's, you know, you think the the funds are going to come from one LLC and it comes from somebody's bank account or the wife's bank account. Um, yeah. So, so we sell for all of that in our platform where, you know, investors can choose a number of different ways to fund their capital call, but because we've built our entire ledgering technology ourselves and, and to process all these transactions, you know, we've got a full history of all the transactions, you know, that are happening and that have happened and all the incoming funds, so we're able to give a real-time status on, you know, who's who's not only received the capital call, but who's viewed it, who's funded it, who's scheduled the payment, when those payments are going to come in. And it's really amazing where our customers have noticed that, you know, like with any capital call, they give their investors a couple of weeks to, to send in the funds. They've actually seen that when they send out the capital calls that first day, the majority of their investors are funding it. It's just because, you know, like any anything else, right? Somebody sends you a a Venmo request for some money, you just want to get it off your plate and move on. That's the same. We're noticing the same psychology, even with these larger dollar volume capital calls apply to how people are using Veravend. And just a quick customer story. We had a a customer do about a $20 million capital raise from over 110 investors. And within 24 hours, they had two thirds of that, uh, those funds already through the platform. And they were just blown away. And they said that this would have taken us weeks of just following up, up with people and chasing people down for their funds. Wow, that's amazing. And that's huge, especially in this market, right? I think founders you know, need and want that capital as soon as possible. There's always a time crunch, whether you're a founder raising funds like we were on our platform or you're an SPV or you know a private equity firm. There's always a deadline for that deal. And that deadline needs to make sure that all those funds are in hand so that you can close that deal. So that's where Veravent is really able to not only make sure that those deadlines are met, but even you know more often than not, escalate those timelines so that um, things can happen faster and, and deals can close quicker. Nice. I love that. Now, switching gears here a little bit, in the intro, I you know, was doing my research and I called you guys a payments platform, which I guess is true, but it just seemed so vague and I couldn't really find a good category to place you in. When it comes to market categories, how do you think about them? Is this a new category that you're building? Do you have a term for that category if so? Or is this really just chipping into an existing category? Yeah, that's a great point. So we are defining a new category. So we are the only payments platform in the private capital space. And, you know, even the big fund administrators, as, as good as they are and as, you know, much of a services they're providing, they're doing it the old school way where they're looking at their client's bank account and they're just reconciling all the opaque transactions on sometimes a daily basis, sometimes on a, you know, a couple times a week basis. And, and there's no real-time status or 
you know, surety of, of where, where these funds are. So yeah, we like to say that, you know, kind of we're the Venmo of private capital because we're just making it, it's super seamless and super easy for people to transact. So yeah, we're, we're payments for private capital and, and we feel really good about the new category that we're defining and, and, you know, the ability to disrupt the status quo of a whole bunch of manual effort and sending bank account information around usually through email. I mean, when was the last time anybody provided your personal bank account information and just sent it to somebody and said, here, push money here. I mean, that's just an insanely unsecure, risky practice, but it's just, it's so widely accepted in the private capital space. So, you know, we're continually asking a question, why is it like that? It doesn't have to be like that. And with a platform like Veravend, it, it certainly doesn't have to be like that. Nice. I love that. And I love the anchoring to Venmo as well, because that's you know very clear what you guys do. It, you know, it eliminates any questions of, okay, so what does that mean? I think a lot of times when companies and founders try to do that, it either is just super lame and vague when it's like, you know, we're the Uber of XYZ, or they say it and it just doesn't make any sense, uh, which that's probably like more what I hear. People say, oh, we're like, you know, this of that, but it doesn't make sense. But yours is very clear and it, and it leaves no doubt. So I love that. Yeah, I honestly, I, I never was a big fan of the whether this or that, because initially I felt like, well, you know what, if you have to compare yourself to something else, you're probably not really, you know, doing something that special. But in the early days, especially when you're a category defining startup, it just it makes so much sense. And even if people don't know what Venmo is or haven't used it or really doesn't make sense to them, it's thought provoking enough where they hear, well, what the hell does Venmo of private capital mean for them to want to learn more and, and to engage on that? So that that's worked out really well for us. Nice. I love it. All right. So let's talk about adoption and traction. So are there any numbers you can share in terms of the traction you've seen so far? Sure. So we've seen really great month over month and quarter over quarter transaction volume for the dollars that are moving through our platform. So we had our, our largest quarter in Q3 of, of last, uh, of just this past quarter. We're approaching almost $200 million moved through the platform on behalf of our customers and zero churn. So our customers love it. As soon as they start using it, and frankly, as soon as they see a demo before they even join the platform, their eyes just open up and they're like, oh my God, this makes total sense. It's a no-brainer. And their investors love it too, because it's just, it's so easy. Their investors don't have to get a, a, you know, a PDF with bank account instructions and then take it to a bank to push a wire to fund a capital call or wait in the mail to get a check or just have some random ACH credit posted to their checking account and, you know, be exchanging uh, banking information. So yeah, we've just seen enormous traction over, you know, the last several quarters and, and really great growth uh, in terms of dollar volumes and just, you know, active users on the platform. Very cool. And it sounds like what's interesting for you guys, or you know, what I've seen is, you know, typically with a company that's you know trying to go out there and create a new category, is they have to really try to educate the market to get to this aha moment, and that takes a lot of time. It sounds like you're in this very unique situation where that aha moment really happens immediately. Is that accurate? It does. Yeah. Like I said, as soon as people see a demo of our product, just because I mean, it, it shows so well. We're, we're so proud of what we've built and we built everything internally. Yeah, they get that aha moment pretty much immediately. But, you know, back to your, your point about education, that is just such a critical part of a market defining category because people don't even know that there's a solution out there for a problem or don't even know that what they have is a problem. So, you know, in my opinion, it's the fun part about the marketing and the selling process where it's not a you know, use Veravend over XYZ platform because we're better, faster, cheaper, nicer people to deal with. It's, you know, hey, let's have a conversation about 
how you're conducting your capital calls and how you're reconciling funds and how you're remitting distribution payments back to your investors. And it's really about them talking more than, than us. And it's it's more, you know, listening than talking. And nine times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10, just through through that initial conversation, they'll lay out all of the problems they're having. And then it's it's a really easy segue into, well, let me tell you about Veravend and let me, you know, tell you about how we can solve all those problems. And it's at the end of the day, that's what we're all about. It's just we're solving problems and we're trying to make their lives easier. Love that. Yeah, what I see a lot of startups do, which you know doesn't always work out, is they go to market with this story of, hey, we're better, faster, cheaper than the status quo. And that's all they talk about. Where I've seen you know, the ones really have the most success is they go in and they tell the story around the problem and they articulate the pain that problem is causing to them that they often don't even realize. And then you know, paint a picture of that promised land of this amazing future that they can have you know, if they solve that problem. So it sounds like you guys are doing something very similar there. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm a big believer in, you know, the sales strategy shouldn't be closing, right? I mean, yeah, obviously, it's important to close deals and win new customers, but it's certainly not going to benefit anybody, especially the company or their customers when when you're just trying to be that that high pressure, you know, closing salesperson where, you know, don't be a closer, be a problem solver, help your customers solve their problems and do it in a meaningful way and provide value. And you'll have no problem winning over customers. Nice. Makes sense. And I know we talked about this in our emails to prepare for this interview. And we talked about, you know, it's a million dollar fee to be on this podcast. Do you want to send that through wire or do you prefer to send it through your platform? Yeah, just watch for the, <laughs> the Veravin payment, Brett, and uh, <laughs> it'll be there instantly. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll be refreshing my screen here, checking it out. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Now, going to market, you know, is never easy. It's always difficult to do. What would you say has been the greatest challenge that you've had to overcome? Yeah, it's really, I guess, twofold. It's the education and just letting people know that, number one, we exist and we're here to solve their problems. And then two, it's finding our customers where they are, right? So, you know, as you probably know, emerging funds, emerging fund managers, new fund managers, there's not a whole lot of Intel or big databases for where they are. So, you know, we've been meeting our customers where they're going. So industry conferences, independent sponsor conferences, we're actually going to one in Dallas on Monday, and just being able to be where they are and and showcase who we are and how we can help them solve problems. And then just getting that flywheel turning and building that forward momentum where, you know, then they're like, oh, yeah, hey, let me introduce you to these other people that I know, because I know that they, you can solve their problems. So it's just been a lot of just kind of grassroots marketing and word of mouth at this point. Very cool. And what excites you most about the work you get to do every day? It's doing something new and it's working with a great team, being able to, you know, have every individual here at Veravin have significant ability to contribute to what we're doing and just solve problems for our clients. You know, this is a huge problem. It's a huge challenge for them. It's a huge risk. And when we're able to diffuse all that and completely transform how they're bringing in capital and pushing out distributions and no longer having to go through a manual, unsecure process of sending around bank account information, it's just you know so fulfilling and so satisfying to see that that transformation happen for our customers. I love it. Last question for you. If we zoom out into the future, what's the five-year vision for the company? To have every single private capital transaction run through Veravend and every single fund and every single SPV be using Veravend and, you know, really 
changed the game on that. And, you know, the one thing I'll add is that we're doing that's completely different is we offer the ability for SPVs and funds and any sort of investment entity to get up and running within minutes. Um, there's there's not even a need for them to set up a bank account to start their fundraising. The way that Veravent is built is to offer our customers a digital account where we've had SPVs come to us and say, you know, we want to use you, but we're struggling to set up a bank account with our, our bank. And I said, no, forget all that. You don't even have to set up a bank account. And they say, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, let me show you. So they join the platform, they get set up in a matter of minutes, onboarding is all seamless and integrated. And then they can start sending out capital calls because all of the money comes into their Veravin digital account. And we've seen more often than not, you know, SPVs and investment entities raise on our platform and deploy on our platform. So it's a complete pass through without having to deal with the usual hoops they have to jump through with banks and, and the typical days, if not weeks and signing of papers. In the early days, just to give you a little bit more of a rewind, when we were building the platform, we looked at, you know, how are we going to move the money? And we looked at, you know, some of the other consumer grade money movement platforms and tools out there like Stripe and Dwala. Um, you know, there, there's others out there. And, and it's not that they're, you know, there's anything bad about them, but they're built for consumers. They're built for retail transactions. And ultimately, we wanted to really chart our own destiny. So what we've done is we built our infrastructure the same way that Venmo and PayPal have, where we have dug down as far as uh, you can possibly go in the banking infrastructure and then just built out from there. And, you know, I'm also a big believer in just take the the super complicated and make it super simple and give your your customers just a, a delightful, amazing user experience. And, and that's really what Bear Event is all about. Nice. I love it. And I hope you guys don't sell out too soon like Venmo did to, uh, was that Braintree that acquired them? Yeah. Like that yeah was one of the best deals in history. Yeah. Now we're, we're going to hold on. We're going to be around for a while. We feel really great about what we're doing. And yeah, I mean, I get the question all the time, like, what's the exit strategy for Veravent? And I said, you know what? I don't have a crystal ball. All I'm focused on and all our team is focused on right now is just, you know, solving a significant problem in a very meaningful way for our customers. And, and you know, as long as we can keep nailing that, I don't think we're going to have any issue with an exit in the future. Amazing. Unfortunately, that's all we're going to have time for today. But Rodney, this has been an epic conversation. You're so good at articulating what you guys do, telling stories around it and really making it clear. So I appreciate your time. Uh, before we wrap, if people want to follow along with your journey, where's the best place for them to go? Go to our website, veravent.com. Amazing. Thanks so much and best of luck in executing on this vision. Thanks, Brett. This is great. I appreciate the opportunity. Cheers. Talk soon. Bye.